This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sonsby. Welcome. Great is an interesting word. It's very simple, just like good, but great is used to point out superiority to good. The cake wasn't just good, it was great. Good is good enough. The good is what Socrates and Aristotle and Mr. Rogers and Martha Stewart all say we should be looking for. But sometimes we've got to say great instead of good. Great is powerful and simple. Before you start thinking, thumbing through a dictionary for words like magnificent, great will do. It's pretty good. When used as adjectives applied to people, good is highly complimentary. A good person displays the virtues we most respect in decent people. Things like honesty, charity, humility. It's good when people are good. To call someone great is to elevate them, to place them in a rare category of more human than human, mythical. Folks who are a greater class of people, we say. Let's take a quick scan of some historical figures known as the great. There are lots, but here are some highlights. You got Alfred the Great, King of Wessex, a weak and sickly king with some nasty vices, allegedly, for a while, and then he found the Lord. Uh, He ran to a swamp, but slowly was able to defeat Viking invaders and unify three of the four kingdoms that would eventually form England. He was also annoyingly pious, choosing to write about saints or translate and adapt Boethius over actually doing his job as king. However, he strengthened the early church, and since churches tell the stories, that'll always help you rep. The French emperor Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, was the last real emperor of the Western Roman after the Western Roman Empire fell. He conquered and unified much of Western Europe, but when he died, he left his empire divided under lesser sons and it fell apart. Germany and France haven't been able to get along all that well ever since. Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia, dragged her country into the Enlightenment. Unlike Stalin, she modernized Russia without murdering millions, which is, you know, laudable. She encouraged the arts, science, culture, and she made Russia a significant world power. Constantine of Rome was an amazing and victorious emperor who built cities and humbly named them after himself, but most famously he converted to Christianity and made it the official religion of Rome, bringing that faith out into the limelight. Do you notice a trend? Conquerors, sure, but also encouragers of culture, and you always want the church on your side. Failing that, you end up like a poor forgotten great, like Canute the Great. This Viking king ruled England and most of Scandinavia, but because he was pagan, the church tried to erase him, erase him from history. But dude accomplished way more than Alfred, and yet even well-educated Brits don't always know who Canute was or what he did. 
Greatness in a monarch, of course, is always measured against one man, Alexander of Macedon. He was one of our first greats. And on the surface, it's for the same reasons as Canute and Charlemagne and Constantine. He won at war and conquered lots of places. However, I agree with Yoda. Wars not make one great. Although Alexander died young and spent his entire adulthood on campaign, I also think he would have been great as a ruler in the long run. Alexander was great because of his education, his understanding, and his tolerance of others. His curiosity made him great. And what I see as a true vision of unity between all people was possible in his eyes. Now, this episode was inspired by the reading of a book, though not a special book, and it's it's not governing the whole discussion. I read um, Alexander the Great and His Time by Agnes Seville, hoping for more of the and his time. But it was essentially just another survey of the man's successes. Not that it's not impressive, and not that it's not a good read, but I know all this stuff already. Uh, I've read it time and again. Still, it's a approachable enough book and it got me thinking about some of the why alexander did instead of what he did um for reasons the reasons that were things that elevated him to the pretty good and even great if you don't know more than his name in the briefest i can tell you is uh alexander was born in macedon 356 bc and lived for only 32 years his father philip Uh, was a big deal in his own right, and he made Macedon dominant over the Greek uh, city-states. Philip was assassinated, and Alexander took the throne at 20 and set out on a series of non-stop victories across the Near East, North Africa, the Middle East, all the way to India. He defeated Persia, the most magnificent and mighty empire on the planet, and he took its capital of Babylon. He married a foreigner named Rakshana. He died, likely, by poison in Babylon while intending to go back to Greece after 12 years of victory. So that's his CV. But to really get his significance, one must understand why he did it and where he was coming from. Philip brought the great teacher Aristotle from his school, Lyceum, near Athens, to Macedon to educate Prince Alexander. I I always love talking to my students about this story and how it proves that there were like 12 people in the ancient world. Alexander the Great, warrior king who we still study with reverence today, taught by Aristotle, philosopher, writer, and teacher who we still study today. Student of Plato, philosopher, writer, and teacher who we still study today, who was a follower of Socrates, philosopher and rabble-rouser who we still study today. These are four of the biggest names in the ancient Greek world, all linked, and it can't be overstated how much influence the prior generations of education influenced and and coincided in young Alexander. Aristotle's one of the best. He's one of my faves. He built on and expanded uh, and sometimes refuted Plato's ideas. Aristotle is, is to whom we owe our understanding of true virtue, of the good life, of the good, of the scientific method. His pupil would have been so well-versed in the good that advancement to great would be the obvious sort of evolution. 
Now let's pause for a moment. I am a huge Aristotle nerd. He's my favorite philosopher ahead of even the Stoic Marcus Aurelius. And as Carl Jung is to Sigmund Freud, Aristotle is the practical, manageable inheritor of his precursor. Plato's got some good stuff, much of which is attributed to Socrates, but it's almost impossible to tell. Um, So much of what Plato presents, especially in the Republic, is great theory, but seems impossible to pull off in the real world. I love the concept of philosopher kings, of educated and informed leaders, but much of the rest of the Republic is dedicated to unworkable theories. And in the defense of what I just said, we haven't had a lot of philosopher kings in modern politics or even pre-modern politics. Aristotle was practical. He is the father of modern science. He believed in using evidence to form opinions, and to him we owe so much of the pedagogic pedagogical methods of the modern era. He should be the patron saint of teachers, along with uh, the historical Jesus and Confucius. And the ones we've already got are good too, but there should be more. As a teacher, we need all the saints we can get. But I digress. Aristotle knew the world, and yet he also thought the big thoughts. He had his fingers in the dirt and his head in the clouds. What goodness is and how we define it, how to pursue a good life. This man was arguably the greatest educator of all time, barely edging out possibly Confucius, Buddha, and Mr. Ed Maloney. Aristotle was hired by Philip as Alexander the someday-to-be-great's private freaking tutor. There are benefits. It's good to be the king. It's like a programmer studying one-on-one with Bill Gates, a hockey player getting face-off and shot advice from Connor McDavid, or a supervillain spending a day at, you know, Disney. Alexander would have had to be a moron, like as idiotic as a Trump sibling, to miss out on the value of what he was being given and by whom. He had the best teacher ever, and unlike Aristotle, Plato, and especially Socrates, Alexander had the power to enact their ideas, to seek the good. So, you're 20. Your dad, a powerful dude, but an angry one and possibly a drunk, gets killed by not reading the room. Now, Still young enough to be heavily influenced by the right teacher, you had the best. You can and will set out to conquer the world, but better yet, you plan to unite it. Nobody got Alexander. Based on what we have, which isn't near enough, but which was written about him, he conquered as a way to unity. Even his biggest supporters, like Ptolemy and Hephaestion, appear to have been two steps behind him in every way. His detractors, like Clytus and Cassander, um, had trouble saying much, saying much to counter him in light of his constant victories. It was a dozen years of conquest and consolidation. He almost never stopped, but they were missing the point. Yes, he did it through war, but Alexander the Great sought to make the world one. Every place Alexander conquered, people expected him to do the opposite of what he did. They expected executions, disillusions, um, as in dissolvings, well, maybe disillusion too, tyranny. What he did 
was spare his enemies, embrace local customs, hire them into his army, and listen. His, his successes would be paralleled a few hundred years later by the Romans, who beat you and then listened to you and really didn't ask you to change too much of your daily life. It really worked. It's weird because the hegemony of uh, Greek states under Athens and Sparta never embraced Philip or his great son. They never accepted these provincials, these Macedonians, as true Greeks, despite the fact that we owe more to them than we do to ancient Greece itself, save the big three teachers I just mentioned. Greece never, never properly endorsed the greatest of its sons. Alexander crushed Darius, the king of Persia, but then he adopted and protected Darius's family because royalty was sacred to, to most ancients and to this day for some silly people. Darius's mother became like a stepmom to Alexander himself. He listened to those he conquered. To the chagrin of his most conservative and xenophobic countrymen, he adopted the dress, thinking, and manners of the locals. When in Rome, he acted like the Romans did, except there wasn't a Rome. So when in Babylon, he acted like a Babylonian. He never avoided considering the ideas he, he met and supplanting them for his own if they turned out to be better. He brought conquered people into his army and made them trusted advisors and even leaders. He married Roshana, an Iranian in modern times, and a barbarian to his men. Alexander believed strongly that our ideas are good and there's always a better way to do things. People are people and nobody ever knows the best idea first. So he was a listener and a thinker who just happened to use a sword. Maybe we shouldn't call Alexander the Great. Maybe we should call him the best and most capable of students. Teachers dream, I can attest, of a student who can embody our best and ignore our worst ideas as well as Alexander did for Aristotle. Alexander was so far ahead of his time that his time still hasn't come yet. He so internalized Aristotle's teachings that he almost enacted them by the sword, true, but still, he came that close. He was only limited by those who accompanied him and followed him. Like Charlemagne and Canute, um, he would be followed by lesser successors who would only let his heritage be divided and lost. Alexander was truly great. We are reassessing our heroes. We're reconsidering our statues. A lot of the times, that makes good sense. We should always question those we emulate. But when we are expecting humans to be gods, all we're doing is letting cancel culture define our understanding of heroes. But this guy was great. Other than being a warrior, who we know of or think of as, as Alexander the Great was truly one. He tried to unite people who didn't have the gumption to follow his vision. He listened when people wanted to be told. As I said, he was so ahead of his time that we haven't even gotten to it yet. But it's lovely to have heroes in this world who are from so long ago that it's almost mythical, mythical that tell us where we can hope we can still go. In... Uh, card deck, he's the king of clubs. 
And I think, unlike those other face cards, David, Caesar, Charlemagne, and the rest, Alexander the Great deserves the title of Worthy. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.